Claptrap, Episode 5, Home Brewing. Alright Claptrap Nation, what's up? How we doing? I hope everyone's great tonight. We have a treat in store for you this episode. We get to talk to Miss Emily Hepner about home brewing. Hey Emily, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm great, thanks. Tonight we're gonna be talking, like I said, guys, about home brewing, and that obviously involves alcohol. So Kyle, you wanna take it from there? Yeah, so I guess to start off, we're gonna talk about our favorite brews. So for me, I would say my favorite beer are porters. The lagers and everything, I, I feel like they're lacking flavor most of the time. And then IPAs, as far as they go, I like them in the summer, but only one or two. That That's pretty interesting how you broke it up there. I think a lot of people like to drink different types of drinks depending on what time of year it is. I don't know. Are, are you that way, Emily? I am an IPA person in the summer, a cream ale in the spring, and then a porter and stout person in the in the winter. So you guys are both beer drinkers. I feel like the the odd man out here. Uh, I definitely don't go to beer as my first choice. Maybe because I'm a health nut. <laughs> I don't think any alcohol is like super healthy for you. But I I tend to stick to the clear stuff. It's just ended up being way cheaper option for me. <laughs> that that might sound like a cop out, but. I, I'm a tequila guy, but in terms of beer and brew, I'm a stout guy, so I prefer the winter beers and would much rather go with like a stout or or a porter. Do you have any brands that you're quite fond of? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in first real quick since I'm not the expert on beer here. I'm going to go definitely with the Guinness. I know it's a, it's a cop out. It's super popular. It's, it's not very cool at all, but man, I just I love the taste of Guinness. Emily, what about you? You've got plenty of craft beers down in Columbus where you're at. Yeah, I I have lots of breweries here in Columbus. I have my my favorite go-tos. I have lots that are are close that I can walk to even, but I I prefer Land Grant and Parsons North. They're kind of consistent and then they also have lots of different like experimental beers that they try. So it's always fun to go to those places and just try different things. Tell you what, craft beer people are pretty fun though to hang out with in general. I've never met like a crowd of craft beer people that are like boring to hang out with. I feel like they know how to party. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you are in your career, life, and mindset kind of before we get into more details about brewing? My name's Emily and I live here in Columbus, Ohio. I'm Kyle's cousin. I currently work for the state of Ohio. I do some of the outreach programs with the Department of Agriculture. And mindset, it's it's starting to get darker earlier and uh, it's starting to get a little isolated here working from home and, and not being able to go out to some of my local breweries and stuff like that, but making the most of, of it, brewing lots of beer. That seasonal depression is definitely a thing. And I, I didn't get it until I moved out of Ohio because I am blessed with a little more sunshine here in Nashville. But wow, like I... I'm I feel happy all the time because right now like this week is supposed to be like 60 all week 
and I've been running outside in shorts and a t-shirt and I don't have any fear that all of a sudden it's going to snow the next day. Are you telling me you miss Ohio's four seasons of winter, winter, winter and construction? <laughs> no, I, I, I like winter. Don't get me wrong. I don't miss construction. Kyle, you forgot the fifth season football. It looks like football season was going to be canceled for a while there with the Buckeyes being sidelined. So to get back onto the brewing routes, when did you get started? So I started homebrewing probably about six years ago. Started off with a small little kit that I had bought myself and just decided to do it and learn the process. My grandpa actually used to uh, homebrew. He made some cider and beer. My dad used to tell me stories about how he had like five gallon crocks out in the garage where he would ferment his cider and the the kids could not get close to it. And actually the bottle capper I have is, is my grandfather's as well. Um, so I guess it's a traditional uh, generational thing. <laughs> And my dad also homebrews. Uh, we actually have competitions between the two of us of who the better homebrewer is. Usually I win. So, Are you guys just making just plain beer here just to, to set the record straight? Or are you, you making other types of alcohol too? No, I just I just make beer. It does sound like a, that's a family tradition. I was going to ask you where, where you got the hobby from. Now, did you get to actually make any if, if your grandfather was still alive? Or was he like into... You know, I'm not sure, you know, what beers were like back then, obviously, because I wasn't here and I don't know much about the culture. Um, I'm assuming the flavors obviously have transformed a lot over the years. Yeah, I'm assuming the the ingredients weren't as as large as they are now. You can't get things as regularly. He used to make uh, cider a lot more than beer just because they had a large apple orchard where they could get lots of, of apples. My dad would remind me that he used to get the extract ingredients in like the big cans, pour those into into his homebrew. So I never actually brewed any while he was alive, but my dad likes to remind me that my grandpa would be very proud that one of his grandkids was keeping up this tradition. How did your first kit beer turn out? Because we tried to do something similar in college and the results were a little mixed. We'll just say that. Mixed that there was an accident or mixed that it just didn't taste what you thought it was going to be? So it didn't really taste like what we thought it would be. We tried to start off with just your, you know, basic American lager. And when we were done, it kind of tasted more like apple cider. I went back, you know, online doing some Google searches or whatever. And I think we might have added too much sugar during the, like the carbonation or the uh, the fermentation phase. Because I guess that's one of the like off flavors that you can have is if you put too much sugar in there, it makes it taste like apple cider. I think my first batch was just okay. I don't really remember it, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but there are, it's it's an easy hobby to get into, but there are a lot of things that could possibly go wrong. But it's also a simple process where you can Google and figure out what that off flavor is and, and things like that. I think that we made cerveza later on. I think that ended up turning out much better. Maybe that's just because I drank like the three quarters of it, but I thought, I thought you did a great job on that personally. So you both have some experience with actually getting the home brewing. Do you think you could take us through kind of the whole process from start to finish? Sure. So I brew exclusively extract brewing. 
which is kind of, if you talk to true homebrewers, it's probably a, a cheating process. But the extract is basically just like a syrup or it's a, a dried malt. So I basically, outside of my garage, I have a propane heater or a propane um, stove where I heat up about five gallons of water. I put grains in a bin, boil the grains for about anywhere between a half hour and 40 minutes, pull the grains out, boil it up, put the extract in, and then I add hops at different frequencies. So the different hop varieties have different flavors. When you put them in right at the boiling, at the beginning, at the end, and then um, they also have flame out, which means you turn the the flame off and you add the hops in and it just gives like a little extra flavor at the end. So once you do that, you cool it down quickly and then you add the yeast and you shake it up. You put an airlock on it and you let it sit for about two weeks while it ferments and then you bottle it. That's the quick and dirty, easy process. <laughs> it sounds like a chemistry class, like, but for like adults, this sounds fun. It is, and that's kind of why I got into it. It's following a recipe. It's a little bit of chemistry and science behind it. And then you get alcohol at the end. Yeah, you get to drink your final products, unlike in chemistry class where you just keel over if you drank your titration or whatever. Correct. Yeah. At, at the end of this, you get a delicious glass. It usually takes about four to six weeks for you to actually enjoy that, but it's a fun process. Now with with beer, I, I maybe know a little more about wine than beer. Is like, is there different beers that take longer or or shorter depending on what what type you're making, and how how does that kind of all work in terms of like changing flavors and and such? Yeah, so the brewing process is all the same for about every variety you have. It's when you add the different grains and the different hops and letting it sit longer is when you get those different flavors and different alcohol levels and things like that. So you could brew a cream ale in probably about four weeks from start to finish. Some of your other beers, you want to sit a little bit longer and some of your IPAs, you want to add different hops after the like initial for fermentation and you get some more of those hoppy flavors. So your hazy IPAs, you basically add hops right before you bottle and you kind of get that, you know, cloudy hoppiness. Extra hoppy flavor. Yeah. So those usually take a little bit longer. I have yet to brew a, a high APV beer just because that kind of scares me a little bit. <laughs> it takes a little bit more knowledge of the, the sugars and trying to figure out the yeast ratios and things like that. What would you consider a high high ratio for a beer? Is that like above 8%? Yeah, probably about 8%. Okay. I totally guessed that, so. <laughs> for a tequila guy, you're pretty good. <laughs> Do you have any idea typically what the alcohol content is for, for your beers? Do you use like a hydrometer or anything like that? I do. Sometimes it gets off a little bit, but on the recipes that I use, use they usually have a, a range that it might end up in and i usually hit that range heck yeah nerd nerd culture like that exactly so i have like a little bit of experience like obviously baking and then now i'm kind of 
going down the path of maybe doing some home wine making. So I, I'm getting a little bit of knowledge about the kind of the brewing and the wine making process. Is it hard to keep your maybe like your yeast alive or starting it to to get going? So like when you're baking, you have to have like a water that's a certain temperature in order to activate the yeast. And then for wine, you have to do like a similar kind of waking up process to the to the yeast. You have to do that with beer brewing. Yes and no for pitching the yeast into the wort, which is the unfermented liquid beer. Um, it has to be at a certain temperature. So you basically have to bring that hot liquid that's at, you know, that was just at boiling down to usually about 75 degrees very quickly. Or you can risk, you know, bacteria and yucky things getting in there. So I actually made a homemade wort chiller out of refrigeration, like copper refrigeration pipe. And it's a double one. So it basically like wraps around itself twice. And I, you know, put water from the garden hose into the the tubing and it cools it down very quickly. And then I also use liquid yeast that actually comes with a like little packet of nutrients inside. So when you pop that, the yeast start to to eat that and, and get excited. And then you put it into the beer and then they're really excited. That sounds awesome. It sounds like you got whole setup. It probably looks like a laboratory behind your house. When I have everything outside the house and I'm like getting ready to brew, it does look like a mad scientist. But when everything's clean and sanitized, it only takes up about four shelves down in the basement. Perfect. What's your favorite beer to make? Any beer that I think my friends and family might like. My go-to is is a what I'm actually drinking right now is a Session IPA. So it's a low APV and it's very like low hop and it's easy to drink. And that's usually my go-to to make because a lot of people like it, even though if they say they don't like an IPA, they usually like this one. And it's nothing too wild and crazy that's going to knock you on your, your butt. That sounds right up my alley. That sounds really good. So in general, do you get pretty decent feedback from your friends and family then? Is that mostly your your target audience? I know you said it's a, who you normally grow for. What what do they think of everything you got going on? Yeah, I mean, I get both positive and negative feedback. Like I said, my dad and I both homebrew, and we like to argue about who has the best beer. So he usually has taste testings with his friends, and I usually end win win those. But you know, you always make a batch that you just don't really like. I made a like a knockoff Christmas ale last year and I added a touch too much cinnamon and and I definitely heard some feedback on that one that it was just too much. I feel like this needs to be like some kind of annual competition or something where you get your like family and friends together and you like have like a brew off and do a taste testing. I like the idea. You could call it a brew ha ha. So do you have like any secret recipes that you've like concocted yourself or, or do you like to go off model recipes yeah it, it's always fun to like see what dad's making and what i'm making and then compare them so he usually goes for the amber ales and the irish ales and i like to go off model recipes i really like to find like clone recipes and brew them and then compare them to the original like the you know like a New Belgium fat tire 
and I find like a clone recipe and brew that and then buy the actual beer and compare it to mine just to see, you know, how well I did. Instant feedback. Yeah, exactly. I just made this beer for this. Yeah. Take that. Do you have you ever done like a blind taste test? I think what was it like a famous it was either Pepsi or Coke commercial back in the day where they would do like the blindfolded test and ask them if it was Pepsi or Coke. And then people would say one or the other. I forget exactly how it went. But do you compare directly like a blind taste test, like put them in a glass side by side and see if people can tell which one's which? I've never done a blind taste testing, but I feel like I need to now. <laughs> Honest feedback. Well, that's that's awesome. Into the next segment. Are you into pairing culture? Like, do are there certain beers that you like to have with with like you know certain foods or certain or even like certain events? We can we can go into that that route too. Are you drinking something when you're going out with your friends versus a family meal? Or uh, you kind of mentioned about just chilling around what you're drinking right now. But can you go a little bit further into that? Yeah. So I I'm definitely like a. I've never really paired anything with a food officially, but I, I do like to pair beers with seasons. Like I said earlier, like I like my dark beers, my porters and stouts in winter, like my cream ales. I wonder why that is. Why why does dark I mean, why does dark beer go better in the winter? I'm guessing it just has to deal with some kind of heat factor. I don't know. Light beer goes down easy in the summer, I guess, right? I think it's just like a heavier beer. And it just makes you feel like, you know, warmer and you're, it's just something you want to drink. Uh, the, the beer blanket. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's probably what it is. Yeah. No, that's, that's good insight. Yeah. But my beer of choice during a baseball game is always going to be a yingling. Yeah. Why is that? It's the cheapest option at the, the stadium. <laughs> so, so it just kind of feels right when you're like watching a baseball game even at home so do the clippers have dollar beer nights down there no but i wish they did well because the rubber ducks when we were in college up in akron they had dollar beer nights on thursdays yeah was that what cooler coolers it was like i think they gave you two choices if i remember it was like coors and beast oh beast oh my gosh it's american pastime you always got to go for those hot dogs though especially diamond dog night but yeah you can't beat bruising baseball throwing a big stinky bratwurst and you got yourself a deal yeah now that that i can get on board i don't know about like bratwursts are okay but i I think i'd rather get a hot dog you said you uh like to add a bunch of hops and stuff to your beer where do you get hops because like if i go to the grocery store i don't think i have ever seen a hop do you have to go to like a special brewery store in order to find that kind of stuff yeah So Columbus is actually kind of blessed. We have at least three homebrew shops that I know of, and all of the people are very knowledgeable about what the subject, and they actually have coolers full of of hops and little packages. And the way the hops for homebrewing are processed, they're like little pellets. So they take the flour, they kind of dry it out and compress it, and then it comes in this little pellet. And some of the homebrews or homebrewing shops some of them don't have all of the hops you need but they actually have like there's a cheat sheet of like the different varieties that you can use in, in place of that so like one recipe I was making I needed citra hops and they were out of citra so I looked at the like conversion 
chart and they told me what hop I could use in place of Citra. So, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of different homebrew shops all around and they're, those guys are very knowledgeable about every step of the process. So that's actually where I buy most of my ingredients is, is are those local homebrew shops. So not the brew your own beer kit in the little brown jug that you buy off the internet. I started off with that. And then I realized that I can find recipes online and then take those recipes to the homebrew shop and give them some business. And basically... Probably a little better quality too, huh? Yeah, because they actually grind the grains right there in the shop and they'll tell you, hey, I made this recipe before. You actually want to put this in instead of that. And, you know, you you get that expertise there too. And I've had a couple questions I've come across and, and they've been helpful. So it's always fun to go into those shops and kind of poke around and ask questions and they have books there that you can always ask and be like, hey, I want to make a raspberry lemonade beer. Do you have any suggestions? And They'll come up with something. So if I was going to go out and start this all tomorrow, what kind of equipment would I need in order to get the process started? So at the bare minimum, you need at least a two-gallon pot that you can brew water in. This is for making a five-gallon batch of beer, too. So you'll need that that big pot that you can boil water in. Of course, you'll need your ingredients. And then you'll need a like a six and a half gallon bucket that you can ferment everything in. So you need a bigger bucket than what you, you brew in to allow that fermentation process and the, the gases to come off. You can probably start for very cheap if you purchase things online in different different segments, but a lot of the online homebrew shops have kits you can buy. So I think the cheapest one, and I started off with this, was like, I think it was $99 and it had everything that I needed. And that was for like five, you said that was for five gallons of of beer? Yeah. So I, I brew in five gallon batches. So how many bottles does that come out to roughly? A lot. Um. I'll take it. I think the last time I counted, it was like 48, maybe a little more. 48 bottles of beer on the wall. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that game. For wine, like when you start the fermentation process, in order to kill off any wild yeast, you have to add these things called Camden tablets. Do you have to do anything like that with with beer? No, just want to keep everything really sanitized. So I use, I buy it in like a... 64 ounce container and it's called star sand and it basically sanitizes it's what like industrial restaurants and kitchens use to sanitize stuff so you basically just sanitize everything i mean even your spoon if you're using a a bowl to put the grains into the bag you sanitize that so you basically just sanitize everything in hopes that nothing gets in and i've never Take that back. I've had one batch that got infected with with something and I just threw it out. So I don't know what went wrong, but but you just really have to sanitize everything. Did it look like a lava lamp? Yeah, you can usually visually see something and it just kind of smelled off and just 
it was nothing that I had ever smelled or seen before. And so after a quick Google search, it suggested I just dump it. So that's what I did. <laughs> is there a way to tell that your batch gets infected with something? Is this like, this is taste testing or is this like you can, you can visually see a difference or, or how does that work? Not really. <laughs> I was worried it might, but no, it just, the smell was just not fun. I feel like in general, doesn't the fermentation process not smell good? Like, maybe I'm wrong. I've never really smelled anything. So uh, if I brew, I usually brew like two batches at a time. So I don't have to continue like clean everything multiple times. And so I usually have 10 gallons bubbling away in my basement and I've never really smelled much of anything. I must be just thinking of a whiskey then because I've, I've visited like like Jack Daniels brewing and stuff down here and going through where they do the, the fermentation. Oh, my gosh. It's just like, whoo, you want to get through that, that section as quick as you can. So have you ever considered bootlegging any of your stuff? I haven't just because I work for the state of Ohio and I don't really want <laughs> to lose my job. You got the in then, right? True. I haven't necessarily like... No, I'm just messing. Yeah. I haven't sold my beer, but I have put my beer in a silent auction event. And it's it's brought in some big money, so... I would love to taste some of this. Make a a beer believer out of me. I did make a pumpkin spice beer. I call it my basic beer. (laughs) That's clever. And that's that's the other thing with homebrew is like I also make labels for my beer. I for my grandma's 90th birthday, my brother and I made different beer labels and we had different types of beer and my grandma just loved it. So it's fun to like add an element of, you know, excitement to the homebrew and add some pictures and things like that and name them fun things. So you have any. I'm going to move away from some of the technical details and move on to maybe a a question or two outside of that, if that's okay. Uh, Would you be willing to share any kind of funny stories that either happened while you were brewing or while you were drinking? Just one one funny story. Trying to think of one that's appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, a funny one while I was brewing was actually I brewed a batch. I don't know if this is funny or not, but I brewed a batch of beer and I put it in an ice bath. This was before I made my wart chiller. And so I had a, like a Rubbermaid tote full of water and ice and it was sitting in my kitchen and I had gone upstairs to like go do something. And I came back down and my kitchen floor was completely wet. There was a hole in the bucket. So, so not only did I have to clean up that, but then on my my big mash or my big uh, kettle, there's a spigot on it, and somehow like an ice pack had hit the spigot and opened it. So I had I basically ruined a whole batch of beer because I couldn't turn off the spigot in time, and so I had like this sugary water beer wart, yeah, water all in my kitchen and. Instead of cleaning it up right away, I just opened a beer and just sat and like laughed at it. So that was the funniest story that happened while I was home brewing. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And it was just one of those, like, it was like every single factor that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> and you're just like, uh, oh, well. That is funny, but also quite sad. I feel sad for the lost alcohol. But funny story drinking, I can't think of any, like, I mean, there was one time at my friend's Halloween party. The thing with me drinking is I like to clean after I, I drink a few beers. I don't know why, but my friends had a Halloween party and she found me in her kitchen at like 2 a.m. like cleaning up everything. Like, I think I even got the mop out because there was like muddy footprints and just cleaning. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you should. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. I'd be like, what are you doing, Emily? Yeah, it was Emily cleaning up and like putting away dishes and like washing dishes and Yeah. So if you ever need your house clean, just buy me a six pack of beer and <laughs> I'll come clean your house. Yep. <laughs> Kyle, that reminds me of when there was like a culture where you were drunk at people's like house parties and you turn everything upside down in their house. Do you remember that? It was called Flip Squad. I like it. I feel like that's the opposite of what you just said, Emily. So we would go into like people's houses like during like a like a big party. And like whatever you could turn upside down, you would turn it upside down on, on itself. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. Flip squad. Everything. I remember like we flipped someone's mattress upside down on their on their bed and like rearranged their whole room. I go home after a long day and I I run and jump on my bed and the box spring is like on the top and I like broke my back. It was great. And you didn't even know it. Oh, that, that's right. It was your... <laughs> I'm sure alcohol was involved, so, yeah. Doesn't matter. And then one time we got flip squatted, and we had a picture in our living room, and we didn't realize it was upside down for, like, months. I think it was when we moved out. We're like, has this picture always been upside down? I'm like, oh, I guess we got flip squatted. So I guess to wrap up, do you have any tips or tricks for the novice brewer? The famous line that all homebrewers usually use is relax and have a homebrew. There's no need to like get all worried about everything. Like I've never, if my boil goes over by five minutes and I, you know, I've been busy and, you know, forgot to stop the timer. I don't freak out a whole lot. <laughs> I just kind of relax and just let the let the process happen. Um, there's been times where I forgot to trans um, like rack my beer off into the secondary fermentation, and you know, just kind of relax. You know, if it if something happens, something happens. But that's that's my my go-to is just kind of relax and talk to those homebrew shops and, and spend some time doing some research, but really it's a fun process and you get alcohol at the end. I'll just part with saying, you know, Emily, I, we really appreciate you coming on here and, and talking about home brewing. No problem. It's, it's a fun ho hobby to have. I mean, just because you also get alcohol after everything, but it's a science process and it's fun. Transition. It is now time for the show that you guys all hate, but me and Kyle love, where we get to talk about whether or not we would choose to do the hobby we just talked about. Kyle, you want to kick us off? What do you think about homebrewing? 
uh, like I said before, trying to get into the winemaking process, but I think beer is something that I'll, I will also want to try at some point. Uh, my brother got me a just kind of a general brewing book uh, for Christmas one year. So I've made limoncello, and I'm currently infusing a whiskey as well. So I also want to try some of the beer recipes in there eventually. So I will say 10 out of 10, I definitely want to do this. Okay, so you mentioned that you already started doing this. How long have you been doing this on your own already? Well, beer making, you know, we kind of already previously talked about that. Very little, some experimentation in college. And then the winemaking, right now I'm kind of in the researching kind of preparatory stage before I dive into that. And then I've done some infusions, which are probably the easiest kind of thing like that. So like the the limoncello, you just take vodka and some lemons and you make a simple syrup and you just kind of let it stew for about six weeks and then you strain out all the particulates and drink it. This kind of reminds me of like when you go to a gas station and you go to the slushy machine and you're like, hmm, I can't decide between orange, blue, red, green, whatever other colors they have. And you're just like, eh, I'm going to mix them all together and see what I like. And it always comes out great. Like that's what infusions kind of sound like to me, which is pretty neat. But uh, depending on how long these lockdowns, quarantines, whatever you want to call them last might have to start making some home brews. You can't go out to the bar, hang out with people. Dwine will have you shut down by 10 o'clock. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, don't remind me. Yeah, you'll have, to, you'll have to help us all out and start providing for, like, the neighborhood and have, like, block, like a socially distanced block party where we all stand in a big circle with, with our limoncello and, and wine decanters sipping from our our wines and cheering from six feet away. We're going to have to go back to the old days, speakeasies and, and all that. We're going to have to bring the Roaring 20s back. Dude, I'm all about speakeasies. I don't know if you've ever been to any. I've been to a couple. Um, we have some here in Nashville, and they are a lot of fun. So anyone out there listening who would participate in something like that, I'm totally game. So what about you? Are you going to give it a shot? Well... Here's the thing about home brewing. I think it's super fascinating. I love the chemistry aspect of it. It plays to the nerdy side. You don't want to mess up the recipe. So like like Emily explained, you got to follow that or else it's it's going to taste like crap. You know that from, from mixing your stuff as well. So me, I, I think I'm going to stick to drinking it. <laughs> I'll enjoy it and I'll, I would rather be the kind of guy that would have a wine cellar in the basement. I don't know if I would actually make my own. Maybe someday where you get to like the grape smashing and everything, I would rather do and then let let it ferment that way. Um, but I think personally, I'd rather just have a, a cellar in the basement full of wines, you know, from 10, 15, 20 years ago and see how long I can make a supply last. So, though it's very cool, um, if I'm going on a scale of a 10, I'll, I'll probably say 50%. I'll give it a 5 just because I guess if I had someone to help me do it, I might I might get into it. But on my own, I'm just going to sit and drink. Now, what about, this is kind of like a tangential topic, but do you think you would maybe try your hand at distilling? I think distilling is way more fun than, than like a homebrew. But I would definitely need to read more into it. I was talking 
with with someone the other day and we were talking about making absinthe. So maybe we should do an episode in the future about making absinthe. We'll have to find some crazy dude that knows the the art of the green fairy. Right. Or even some of the, like the old moonshiners and stuff. I know down here in Tennessee people are just obsessed with it. They they think they're from West Virginia, I think. Maybe it's cuz we have old smoky moonshine dis- distillery, but it's just, you know, a process like I said, if I don't know the alcohol content, like what if you're making like 120 proof stuff, it like burns off your eyebrows when you drink it. Like <laughs> though it, it might be like fun to to joke around and be like, "Haha, I got this laying in the in the cellar here." But are you actually going to drink it? Not no, you don't want to drink that. You you want like something like maybe 60 proof if you're, if you're trying to have a real fun night, I guess. But lower proofs, I think, are easier just for your normal home brewing or home distilling cases. Oh, yeah. You definitely have to cut that for sure if you're going to make it out alive, even for it to be somewhat enjoyable. I mean, if you're going to, you know, trying to have a good time, you don't want to be drinking something that just tastes horrendous all night. Or, or maybe you do. I don't know. Some people like that, I guess, and like getting blackout drunk. I, I think I'm past that stage. If if any of you guys are into that and would rather just drink straight moonshine, maybe you get you can let us know. Comment on our, our Facebook page and maybe we could start a little discussion on, on what kind of drinks people would prefer to make and how strong they would prefer to make them. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Sounds good. So I guess we're going to wrap it up there and I guess we'll see you all next time.